You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 152. Selecting a few focus areas, a few is also really critical in there because I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If we try to do too many different things, we probably don't do any of them. So how do you narrow in? You probably heard a lot of feedback. As the coach, part of my job is to help ensure that you can pull out the the really critical things. And sometimes that means I've got like this number one that I really need to work on now. And I might have a couple of others that I might come back to, but they might not be the most important thing right now. And so I think that's important, especially to know ourselves back to that like self-awareness piece. I always want to be helping myself to be better. So sometimes I could default to like take on too many different things. So I have to remember that as coach If I have a client who's like that and they're like, oh, it's these seven things I need to do. All right, well, like of those, what's the one most important thing that you need to start with? Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and once again this week, we are going to explore a strategy, a tool, or a resource, and actually today, we're kind of doing all three of those in order to strengthen our impact as a coach. Now, every week, we explore something that is going to help advance how you show up and engage with your clients as a professional coach. And one of the roles that we take on as coaches is being able to provide feedback to help our clients reach their professional and personal goals, increase their awareness. And there's many different tools that we use to be able to gather that feedback that we would then share with our clients. Our focus today is going to be on stakeholder feedback through 360 interviews that we do with those key stakeholders. Our guest today is Coach Kelly Ross. She is not only a coach, but a learning and talent strategist. She's a facilitator with global experience. Kelly's work is in leadership development and talent management. She received her coach certification from Hudson Institute and will share her story about how her work in her master coaches program led her to partner with several coaches to create the book, Fearless Feedback, a guide for coaching leaders to see themselves more clearly and galvanize growth. It is that framework that we're going to be focused on today. And Kelly has provided a handout that gives you a beautiful visualization as well as the step-by-step process of how to effectively put together a process of stakeholder feedback, how we collect that, what we do with it, how we deliver it, and what then happens in the coaching process. So I'm going to strongly encourage you to access that handout at starcoachshow.com. 
In the show notes for episode 152, you will see a link for that handout. I will also put it at the top of the resource page at starcoachshow.com. So whether you have that in hand as you listen to the interview or whether you get it afterwards, it is a beautiful representation of the seven-step process that allows you to get clear and walk through what it is that's being recommended. Kelly is absolutely brilliant in this interview in how she just continues to give us information and help us dive deeper into this process. I'm so grateful for what she and her co-authors have put together and what she's willing to share in this interview. So let's go to my interview with Kelly Ross. Hello, Kelly. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. I am thrilled that you have come to share your work with us. It's an area that I get a lot of questions with the new coaches that I instruct. It can be a little daunting to think about giving client feedback. And so we're going to talk about the new book that you have, Fearless Feedback, a guide for coaching leaders to see themselves more clearly and galvanize growth. And we'll get into more details about that. But really what we're doing today is looking at how we as coaches can help partner with our clients around feedback, what the value of that feedback can be, and how we can get into a good place with our client to deliver that very valuable feedback. So let's kind of start with, in, from your framework, what was it about feedback that sort of captured you and had you put your attention on this, not just for this book, but in the work that you do? Yeah, it's it's such a great question. You know, I think of feedback as it's been so important to me professionally and as a person. And so I am so grateful to all the leaders and colleagues that I've worked with over the years who have given me really clear direct feedback and helped me be better as a leader and as a human. And so I think the, I think for leaders, there is there's a real need for that real conversation, that direct feedback. And as coaches, it's often part of our work to help a leader to collect that feedback and then to receive it. And there's, as you know, that's not such a simple process. And so it is, I think feedback is so important. And I think many of us have experiences that we either didn't receive really clear feedback, we didn't really know what to do with it, or perhaps we received feedback in a way that was hurtful. And so we didn't, we didn't put it to the best use, perhaps. We probably all have examples of both of those. And so I think it's really important for us to leverage feedback in a way that's, that's effective, that makes us better as leaders and as humans. And at times, move somebody from a lack of awareness or under-awareness into being able to embrace and increase their willingness to sort of receive that. And as you pointed out, Kelly, that's not being done with a two by four. We're not whopping people with their feedback so that they are unable to absorb it because of defensiveness or fearfulness or Mm -hmm. anger or any of the kinds of things. Now, that doesn't mean that that we can completely control that. But I think through what we're going to walk through today, we can increase the opportunities for 
positive acceptance of feedback, at least being able to help digest it and and work it within the coaching plan. Yes. Excellent. So when you work with leaders around feedback, what are some of the things that you share with them about the importance of feedback? Most of my leadership coaching clients are senior leaders. And so most of those coaching engagements begin with some kind of data gathering. And so feedback is usually a piece of that. And I would say most typical for me is to use interviews to collect feedback from the stakeholders, the people in the system around the leader, mm-hmm. their bosses, their, their direct reports, their peers, sometimes you know their customers or whomever are the right people in their system. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we also use other assessments, and that's not the focus of our conversation today, but there's, there's many tools, as you've talked about, with other people on your show. So most of the time, leaders that are coming to coaching are receptive to the idea that they need some feedback. Many leaders say to me, I don't, I don't really know what people are going to say that it's like, that, you know, what is it like to work with me? Because many people haven't gotten very much feedback. And also for many of us, there's some maybe maybe fear, maybe a little bit of worry, you know, something about like, who is this Kelly person and what exactly are they going to find out about me when she goes off and talks to all these people in my system? So it, there is an important piece around kind of setting the stage mm-hmm. for how you collect feedback in a way that is effective. But your question of like, you know, how do you how do you help a, how do I help a leader to understand the need for feedback? Yeah, and the importance perhaps of, yeah. of being open to receiving that. Mm-hmm. I, I think most people get this, but I, if someone who's asking about it, I would say if we, we can't get better if we don't have a sense of what it's like to work with us. And so there's that perspective of what are all the people, those stakeholders around me, what's their perception of working with me? And for lots of us as leaders, there's a difference between how someone perceives me and what my intention was. And so stakeholder feedback is a way to get at that and to understand the difference between, well, I intended this, but it might not be how it was perceived. Right. Okay, good. And this, I think, is one of the things that led to the motivation to write your book. Now, you came from a background. Share a little bit about what it was in your background that was so focused around feedback that it just was a natural fit for you to kind of move into this, I think, at McKenzie and Company, right? Yes. I spent almost 10 years at McKinsey and in a whole bunch of different roles in living all over the world. And one of the things that McKinsey and probably other professional services firms, you know, McKinsey really teaches you how to give and receive feedback. And it's such an important part of how we do our work serving clients all the time. And so I was really blessed to to get a lot of really good feedback, as I said, from leaders and, and colleagues who have helped me to be better as a leader and as a person. And I realize that not everybody has that experience. And so I was drawn when I came into coaching to share the, the power of feedback that is collected and given well, as we were talking about before. And then you did your coach training at Hudson. I did, yes. And did something that as, as a coach instructor, I love when, when students get together or, you know, these professionals that are coming into coaching from all these different places. And you did a collaborative project with many of the people at Hudson, which is what leads us to the book. What was it that motivated all of you and who did you sort of 
collaborate with in this project? So many years after I did my initial coach training at Hudson, I went back to Hudson to study in their master coach program. And in through that cohort, one of the things that we did as part of our learning was what they called a stakeholder project. And so we were each the coach for someone else, collecting feedback from that person's clients. And we were also the client for somebody else. So another coach was collecting feedback from my clients. And we've probably all had this experience where when you, when you walk in the shoes of what you're asking your clients to do, so many new ahas come up. And so lots of awareness around, gosh, you know, sometimes it is scary to give someone a coach your, the names of the clients that you work with and ask them to find out more about what it's like to work with you. And Lots, so many good learnings in terms of, you know, how you structure the questions that are asked and how you share back the feedback to that person, how you deliver that feedback in a way that that coach, that client can hear it from you. So that learning experience, which the whole master coach cohort went through, was really the genesis for what many of us said as we were debriefing that was, gosh, this isn't really written down. We have many different approaches. As many people were in the room, that many different approaches to how we we are navigating, collecting, and delivering feedback. And gosh, there's probably something valuable here that we could share with other coaches. I don't think we knew at the time that it was a book, Meg. I think we were sort of, you know, thinking it's a white paper or but somehow know, we're going to capture this learning something, to yeah, share so that mm-hmm. other people can benefit right. from. Yeah. And who who did you collaborate with? Yeah, please. A shout out to my co-authors, Rebecca Glenn, Penny Hanscombe, Amy Kosterlitz, Kathleen Marin, Lori Sigworth, and Tim Signorelli. Beautiful. So at first, no idea that this was going to kind of grow into a book, but as your collaboration grew and the ideas were captured, ultimately we have fearless feedback. And within fearless feedback, there is seven step framework that I would love to explore with you today. And listeners, Kelly has been kind enough to provide a visual of this framework that I think is going to be absolutely key for a deeper dive. Obviously, the book would be a great way to dive into this as well, but this concept of how to go about the process of gathering the feedback and delivering the feedback and using it within the coaching. So in our show notes for this show, there is a link for the handout. And what Kelly and I are going to do is walk through the framework. We're going to do a deep dive into the first step and then cover the other steps. But very truthfully, that would take a couple hours to do a deep dive into all of it. So Kelly's been kind enough to agree to give us a deep dive and a look into the first step of this framework. We'll cover all seven pieces and then certainly download the handout. You can even pause the show right now if you want and download that handout, whatever's easiest for you. But Kelly, let's talk about the stakeholder feedback framework. That's a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So maybe I can just step back and say that the when we were thinking about this book, we we sort of had two components to it, I guess. So the first is what's the process? How as a coach do you conduct stakeholder feedback? And that's the seven steps, the stakeholder feedback framework as you talk about. We're going to talk about those. And then also in the book, you'll find examples. We most of us learn from good and bad examples. So there's a fictional coach, Greta, and you'll see we use thumbs up and thumbs down to show where she does something well and not so well. 
There's also reflection questions embedded in each of the steps so that things for you as a coach to think about and things that you might ask your leader client that they might want to think about. So those so pieces- this is a real hands-on, almost manual for being able to be the best we can be as a coach partnering yeah. with our client around this feedback process. Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. Yeah. So the seven steps, which is what you asked me about. So as you were saying, you can pull this up and and look at the framework. So there are seven steps that we'll walk through. And then the circle that's around those seven steps, the, the, I guess, foundational elements. We think that part of what's important in going through the the seven steps are more process, but that those will only really work if you have a working alliance that is built through trust with your client. And I think as we say that, it sounds probably pretty obvious, right? It's going to be much easier for a client to hear your feedback and to really be able to act on it if you've built an alliance and you have that trust. And of course, that is, you know, there's so much we could say around that. It's not so much the focus of this conversation, but I think it's important to mention because it's a really foundational piece. It is foundational. And I would just want, and I know we can't do a deep dive into it, but what mm -hmm. would you recommend? Many times coaching engagements begin with Mm -hmm. an assessment, begin with the stakeholder interview, begin with a 360 online, or as we talked about, there's many different tools that we can use. So if the organization is wanting to begin with gathering information so that you can build the coaching plan with that in mind. How, what are just one or two things that you might recommend for a coach to be thinking about in that having that working alliance in maybe a small amount of time? So I think, first of all, that sequencing is really important. Yes, we often collect data early in the engagement, but I think it's really critical that it's not the first way that you interact with your client. So of course you need to build some rapport and you need to get clear on what we're trying to accomplish with this. We're going to talk more about this when we get into step one and address whatever might be concerning for the leader for whom you're going to collect that feedback. And they may not have concerns, but I think we should not assume that everybody has had good experiences with feedback. And so those are some of the ways that I think you start to build that working alliance. I agree. And I would also add to that, that as the coach, remember, you're the one who's kind of coming in. The organization sometimes has ideas that make sense to them, but they might need some coaching from you and being able to say, in my experience, this is sort of the best way to walk forward with this. Let me spend some time with my client, getting to know them, getting to set the foundation for the coaching engagement. So I'm currently working with a CFO and, you know, we spent the first month and a half, about six weeks, kind of look at six weeks total. So it would have been three or four sessions uh, looking at sort of the things you're going to talk about and then moved into the stakeholder interviews. And he was very comfortable at that point. We had, we'd been able to get really clear about what he wanted out of the process, talk with the CEO about what he wanted out of the process. It was even though that might have been at first, they were like, when are you going to start the stakeholder interviews? And they wanted that to happen right away. It was one of those situations of let's, let's sort of talk about the best way to approach this. And that's what we're going to talk about now in, in the framework. 
Yeah, maybe before we go to the steps, I can just share this, the other foundational element, if that's okay. Yes, that would be beautiful. Is around coaching presence that is about me as the coach, and it's based on my self-awareness. And so, again, it's not the focus of this conversation, but it is a foundational element, I believe, in order for you to both collect feedback and deliver it to your client. Essentially, you have to know yourself and be able to get out of your way, or I should say it for in, in my you know, I have to be able to get out of my way in order to be able to serve my client effectively. And so much has been written on this. I know you did another show where you talked with Pam McLean and her self as coach framework. And, you know, that's just one input perhaps into this second foundational element of coaching presence, which is built on self-awareness. Okay. So we've got the foundational pieces, the working alliance, and then the the coaching presence and self-awareness as the coach. And very important. And and for those of you who don't have the framework in front of you yet, that sort of circles the framework. So it creates this sort of, it hugs the framework almost. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. And then we'll now spend some time looking at what's within that framework. And, and where would you like to start in that exploration? Yeah, maybe I'll just share what the seven steps are for anybody who's listening that doesn't have this in front of them. And then we can go a little deeper in in step one. Does that sound okay? Perfect. All right. So again, these were intended to be, sometimes as authors, we call these like the bones of the book, right? The, what is it, what are the steps, the framework of what you actually do as a coach to collect feedback for your clients? And so the first step is to identify the purpose of stakeholder input. The second step is to plan the stakeholder feedback engagement. Third is to manage process and logistics. Fourth, structure and conduct interviews. Fifth, create the stakeholder feedback report. Six is to conduct the leader debrief. Seven is to co-create the development plan. Beautiful. So that's sort of the flow. And I could see like hands going up, questions going up left and right about, well, what about this? What about this? So now we're going to do a look into that identifying the purpose of the stakeholder input to sort of set the stage for everyone. And then depending upon time, maybe we can touch on some of the other pieces. So when you think about identifying that purpose of the stakeholder input, what comes up for you, Kelly? So if you're looking at the framework, you'll see that each of those seven steps has a few sub steps. If you don't have this in front of you, I'll share what those are for step one, identifying the purpose of the stakeholder input. And that I think is the answer to your question, Meg, of when I think as coaches, and if I think back to my own experience before I had this master coach program at Hudson experience and before we sat down and tried to write down like well, what are the steps as coaches that we go through I think sometimes we can skip this first step we can get as you were saying right whether it's the organization that's hurry up and collect the data whether it's my client that is saying like I want to know what what people's perception is of me I think it can be that we skip this important step of the first sub step of step one is to discern the leader's current state. So I want to ask questions, as we were saying a little bit ago, I want to ask questions to understand what is my client, the leader, what is his or her relationship with feedback? Have they had good experiences? Is there something they're worried about? How are they thinking about this? There could also be an organizational element if the boss or the organization that that leader works in is paying the bill for coaching. There might be even more to understand and, and unpack. But the, the really important piece of the first sub-step under step one is to understand where my client is coming from and not rush through. 
addressing any questions or concerns that they have. Beautiful. And then the second sub-step of that? The second sub-step is to align the purpose with the coaching goals. And so most of the time, as we were saying, not, not 100%, but most of the time, there's some length of coaching engagement. Let's just for this example, say it's six months that you're going to work with this client. And the stakeholder feedback is just one piece of that. Typically happens early on, but not always. And as you were saying, or as we were both saying, I guess, you know, we don't think it happens like on day one of that. But we want to make sure that we're clear and we've made good alignment between what we're trying to accomplish in the broader, say, six-month coaching engagement and what we want to get from this stakeholder feedback. Sometimes we're collecting feedback on just a sub-step, some sub-part of that broader coaching goal. And so we need to be thoughtful and make sure, again, that we just don't rush through this piece, that we get clear on what's the alignment between what we're trying to do in the broader coaching and this feedback collection process. Beautiful. And when you are aligning with those coaching goals, and I know I'm going a little outside of what we're talking about, but I also know that this would be of interest to, to many of the audience. When you're aligning those coaching goals, in your experience, who do you talk to about those coaching goals? So let's say your client is is one of the C-suite, but maybe not the CEO. Or just in general, when you think about setting coaching goals in your experience within organizations, who's part of that process? So as you say, this is kind of separate from and probably happened before we come to these seven steps around the stakeholder feedback. Coaching goals, it depends a little bit on the engagement. So I was speaking with a new client, a leader, we were just getting kicked off in our engagement yesterday. And he, I would say, is typical in that he came into our conversation with a couple of ideas of things that will make him better as a leader. And in his case, he is someone that the organization is investing in, in order to hopefully come to the next level. And so another piece of my engagement with him will be about, you know, as we know, right, what got us to this point is maybe not what's going to get us to the next level. So for him, there's both an element of kind of what he already knew he needed to work on. And then as he thinks about this next level, what will he need to do? So first, you know, he had some perspective. We haven't yet, but we will collect some feedback. And so that'll be another input, which is kind of what you're, we're talking about in the, right. the step 1B. And then there's often an organizational element in collecting the coaching goals as well. And so that works lots of different ways in my experience. It depends a lot on how the organization is structured and what was the genesis for coaching. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the organization has asked for the coaching to happen and has made some sort of offer to the person that will be my client. And so they may also, as part of that, have a perspective on we want you to get better at XYZ. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, especially with senior leaders, and in the case of the person I was speaking with yesterday, his organization is very supportive, but they don't necessarily have like a point of view okay. that they've started with. Now, we will make sure that we create some alignment of here's what we're thinking we want to work on. Mm-hmm. I always say this to clients as you and I want to make sure that we don't get three or six months into coaching and we feel like we've made really good progress, but you're 
your boss, the sponsor, the person who pays the coaching bill, whomever. We don't want any of those people to say, wait a minute, why aren't you working on this other thing? Right. So that alignment around what are the goals for coaching, I think, is just to ensure that everybody feels like we're headed in the same direction and we're all going to be able to say, yes, this was successful in this specific way. So helpful. Thanks for kind of going down that bunny trail because I just know that that's something that intrigues some people or maybe creates a little bit of, well, how do we align this? And, and, and we're identifying the purpose here. So then what's the third step, sub-step within number one? Yeah. So the first step of the stakeholder feedback framework, just to bring us back to that, is to identify the purpose of the stakeholder input. And 1C is, and the last sub-step in, in this step, is to meet with the leader and the sponsoring party. And so we were kind of generic in our language there of sponsoring party because it can look very different. But essentially, so we were just a minute ago talking about the broader coaching goals and creating alignment around that. Same thing is true when we're talking about the stakeholder feedback process. So we want to make sure that everybody who will be involved in this has a sense of what we're trying to do and why we're doing it. And so that sponsoring party in step 1C, sometimes it is the boss of the leader. Sometimes it is somebody from HR or if it's an organization with like a coaching center of excellence or something, it might be somebody from that part of the organization or talent development, many different titles of people involved. Right. But whomever is the right person for your client, in this step, one thing you want to do is make sure that there's no surprise that we're going to be setting up typically, you know, a phone or a in-person interview with this group of stakeholders mm -hmm. and that we want to make sure, again, that we're aligned on what we're trying to accomplish, what those goals are. And then I think the third piece is just to do a quick check that this process around stakeholder feedback is not overlapping in some kind of way with something else happening in the organization that might get in the way. So, so important. People, yeah. yeah. And I think, again, it's, there's not like a one answer to this, but for example, I believe that feedback we collect as coaches for our coaching clients is developmental. So I don't want this process to overlap with say an annual performance review process or some other part, you know, some other organizations that are doing, you know, some sort of like upward feedback process or something. You want to make sure the timing is separate. There might, in other businesses or organizations, there might be busier times of year or something like that, that you'd want to avoid. So I think it just... I think part of step 1C is just to do a bit of a check with the organization around do we agree where what the direction we're headed in and then two does the timing and the kind of the way we're going to go about this work is there any red flag we need to be mindful of beautiful and I think that that piece right there is something that can be easily overlooked and then in hindsight can be like oh I wish I'd known or oh I wonder how this really impacted the results that we got because there's this major project going on or there's performance evals going on right now or, you know, anything that sort of can shift or impact the people's time and focus and, and being able to wrap their head around what this developmental feedback is all about. Yeah, exactly. So we have 
The first step in the framework is identify the purpose of stakeholder input, and the three substats in that were to discern the leader's current state, to align purpose with coaching goals, and to meet with the leader and sponsoring party. Then we would move into step two, which is planning that stakeholder feedback engagement, which ha also that has five steps under it. But I'm just wondering if we could talk about one of those steps. And the step is the co-designing the questions. I think that that is something that would really intrigue the audience and give us that additional valuable feedback. So when we think about co-designing the questions under planning that stakeholder feedback, what process do you recommend for that? I think... Even before you get to process, I think the co-design word there is really critical. So what you're trying to avoid here is you, as the coach, I don't, I don't want to just like follow my instinct and ask a question about something or go down a path with the stakeholders that is, either isn't useful to my client or perhaps is missing something that they really want to understand. And so the Typically, my kind of process for co-designing with my clients, I have a set of questions that are kind of my starter, rather generic questions. And I would say that in most stakeholder interview processes, when we get to the end, we've used some of those that we've put some color into and we've made them fit that person. We, not all of them. And sometimes we've added a question or two that are really important. So I encourage my client, I share the questions as a, a thought starter, a place to, to think about them. And then I ask, you know, which of these are you really curious? Back to that idea of like how people perceive you versus your intention which might be, I sort of like this, but it's not quite what I want to know. And so maybe we customize some of them. And then I always ask, what else would be really useful for you to understand? And so then sometimes we add a question that's very specific to their coaching goal or maybe their organization, the role they're in, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it, you're exactly right that it is, I would say, often overlooked by coaches to skip the step of co-designing. And I think that often doesn't come from anything other than just not thinking about this. And so back to that step around like helping the leader to feel comfortable with the process, I think most of us feel more comfortable when we have a sense of Miss Kelly out there, who's my coach, who's going to go and be asking all these questions about me, what's she going to ask right. is really useful. Now, as a coach who's doing the interviews, Sometimes I will ask a follow-up question that's not exactly on that list of the co-design questions, but I've gotten permission from my client. What are those co-design questions that we're going to ask people and then that they're comfortable that should a conversation lead to, oh, that makes me wonder about this other thing, I might ask about it if it's appropriate, but I will for sure ask these questions that we've co-designed. Excellent. I could literally just kind of keep exploring and exploring this, but let's once again walk through all seven steps. And I think I'm probably going to want us to kind of deep dive into one from from the seventh sure. step too. So if, if we start with number one again, I, and audience, we're doing this so that you can really begin to absorb what the stakeholder feedback might look like. Okay, so step one is identify the purpose of the stakeholder input. Two is to plan the stakeholder feedback engagement. We were just talking about sub-step 2C, co-design questions. If you have the book on page 228 in the appendix, we gave you a whole bunch of questions to get you started. And you can also download them 
on our website, fearlessfeedbackguide.com. So valuable because isn't that one of the first things that we get at? You're like, well, what am I supposed to ask? So that's something that the, the, the book offers. Mm-hmm. Step three, manage the process and logistics. Four, structure and conduct interviews. Five, create the stakeholder feedback report. Six, conduct the leader debrief. And seven is to co-create the development plan. And in that, so remember that this whole concept of getting the feedback is to raise awareness and to help the, the leader or the client, whoever we're working with, create some developmental movement to, to kind of look at how do I apply this. So I think that that co-creating the development plan can feel maybe a little overwhelming for people like, wow, so how do I wrap my mind around this? How do I help my client wrap their mind around this? So if we were to die, would you be okay with diving into a little bit of that? The four steps are, you said, A, begin with vision and aspirational goals. B, select a few focus areas. C, write down powerful action steps with the leader. And D, articulate support, obstacles, and metrics. So if you were to just give some overall thoughts about the seventh step, what comes up for you as as really primary maybe? Mm -hmm. One thing, and if you don't have the framework in front of you, I'll just remind you, the co-created development plan, step seven, this is essentially the takeaway. It's what your client is saying they're going to do from the feedback. And many times what they're going to be sharing with their leader that they're going to... Maybe, yes, in some form. Maybe not exactly exactly, what we write down, but some themes from it. And I also try to be really flexible with my client to make this efficient if it's particularly when it's a senior leader who says, you know, I I am going to have to, I do want to share some pieces of this. So maybe we use a format that they're going to use in their organization or something. Mm -hmm. But it is. Step seven, the development plan, is coming from the output of the feedback. And so you have to look back to step five, where we gave the client, as the coach, I created this feedback report, which is where I share, here's what I heard, here's the themes of this feedback. And then we discuss it. That's step six, the leader debrief. And then we come to step seven. So I share this, Meg, because some of the questions, as I've been out talking about this book, sometimes coaches are confusing the difference between the stakeholder feedback report, step five, and step seven, the development plan. Oh, good to know. Yeah. And you would certainly know you've been out there talking about the book, fielding questions. And of course, every, you know, these are terms, the feedback report and the development plan that have many different names. And so I think that's part of what could make it confusing. But when your question of like, what do you do to be successful in co-creating a development plan with your client, step seven, that of course this is only happening after you've shared what you learned from the stakeholder interviews. Right. This is literally the last step of of the whole framework. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you asked me for some tips on this. I think think co-create, again, as we were saying back in step 2C, this is another place where I don't think the coach builds the development plan. And I don't, most of the time, the client doesn't do it all by themselves either. There's usually a co-creation piece. Now, meet your client where they're at. I have clients who say, 
I want to talk about this. And maybe I sort of am the scribe as they're speaking. And then I give them that as the first draft and they go back and wordsmith it. I have other clients who say, can you give me a template? We, by the way, gave you one in the appendix of the book. And can I, as the client, kind of start writing some of this and then I want to talk about it? You know, whatever the process is that meets your client where they're at is completely fine. But this idea of that we're going to together pull some themes from that feedback. And then I would say in step 7B, selecting a few focus areas, a few is also really critical in there because I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If we try to do too many different things, we probably don't do any of them. Right. So how do you narrow in? You probably heard a lot of feedback. As the coach, part of my job is to help ensure that you can pull out the the really critical things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means I've got like this number one that I really need to work on now. And I might have a couple of others that I might come back to, but they might not be the most important thing right now. And so I think that's important, especially to know ourselves back to that like self-awareness piece. You know, I always want to be helping myself to be better. So sometimes I could default to like take on too many different things. So I have to remember that as coach, if I have a client who's like that and they're like, oh, it's these seven things I need to do. All right. Well, like of those, what's the one most important thing that you need to start with, for example? Right. And and occasionally, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Kelly. Occasionally I'll have a client choose one that is not necessarily in alignment as well. There might be another one that's more in alignment with what the organization is asking for or what our initial conversations have been about. So then I just get curious about what has motivated them to choose what they chose and maybe point out that this other area also came up sort of repeatedly in the different discussions we had. And I'm not making the choice for the client, but I certainly want to partner with them to look at at the big picture. And I'm often curious what motivated you to choose this particular area if it if it's to me like I'm not getting it. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I don't get why you're choosing this one, but if it feels out of alignment with what we've talked about. I'm wondering if you've ever had similar experiences. For sure, yeah. So Remember that the stakeholder feedback, this like the circle of the seven steps, if you will, is just one piece of the broader coaching engagement. And so back to step one, we want to connect what we're talking about in this feedback and therefore the development plan actions that come in step seven. We want to connect that to what we're trying to accomplish in the overall coaching engagement. And the organization certainly, as we said, sometimes has more input on that than other times. We want to draw a connection to that. So like you said, it's not, it's not my job as coach to say what is the right actions to be listed in the development plan, but it is my job to ask really good questions, to bring us back to what we learned in step one, particularly in step 1C around kind of that sponsoring parties point of view, and help to just get the client to think about that. What is most important for them? What is going to serve them well? And what's going to help them get most where they want to be at the end of that six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever it is that that we're, we're engaged with them in that partnership and then to take them beyond that for their sustainability. Exactly. Kelly, this is a beautiful framework. Such good information that you shared that all of you put together. And I'm wondering what, as, as we sort of wrap things up, if there's anything in particular that's left hanging that you would like 
to be able to address. Oh, I think we, like you said, we could talk about this for many more hours. Oh, it's just beautiful. And feedback is a topic I'm really passionate about. So, so much more you could say, but I think we covered the high level of it. I would say that check out fearlessfeedbackguide.com, which is the website for our book. And we gave you some free downloads there as well as told you a bit more about, about us and about the book. And then the book is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's available. I'm sure it's available through that website yeah, as well. To buy it on uh, the website. And you can also just search fearless feedback on Amazon as well. And it's so great that you are offering these free resources so that people can see, is this, is this something that brings value? And then I want to do that deeper dive in, into the book. Kelly, I appreciate your time this morning. I appreciate your expertise. And thank you for helping all of us get less fear, fearful. So being able to, to get fearless in feedback to better partner with our clients. You have a great day. Thank you so much, Meg. You too. So there you have another resource that you can add to your toolbox as a coach. I will tell you that I ordered the Fearless Feedback book to not only talk to Kelly, but because I was in the process at that moment of doing some stakeholder interviews with one of my client's stakeholders. And the tools that I got from the book just really kind of helped me take it just one step deeper. Some of it was just verifying for me. Some of it was a new perspective. So even if you don't have the book at this moment, you can certainly download the process, the seven-step process that is available on the resource page at starcoachshow.com or in the show notes at starcoachshow.com. Now, if you'd like to know more about Kelly Ross, her website is rossassociates.com. Her tagline is be real, define happy, keep your rock stars. And thank you, Kelly, for being such a rock star and coming on our show today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a rate and review wherever it is that you listen to the show so that more people can find us. Next week, we have another rock star joining us. Coach Catherine Bach is coming on the show to talk to us about how to offer the service of retreats for your clients. If that's something that interests you, we're going to talk about her beach retreats, what she thinks about when she prepares a retreat, what that whole process looks like, and it's just fun. It's a good time to uh, just explore doing that high-end event with your clients. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.